you left family a podcast that's tommy b i'm the sfd this is the super flex super show and here we go as this non-point scoring season rolls on tommy well we we've really just kind of been kind of compartmentalizing uh different phases of the of the of the dynasty calendar essentially and uh this is really gonna be no different i mean this is we might be a little late to the game on this you probably wanted to make a decision on what you're doing with your rosters uh before this point but i think we're close enough that this feels like a good time to talk about rebuilds what do you think totally it to me at least it feels like 2023 is long in the rear view now. The page has turned. I'm looking forward. I've adopted some teams and they're trash. They're hot garbage, John. And so <laughs> I'm really excited to talk this through with you because I'm in a rebuild, man. Like I don't I don't like being in one, but I certainly am. This is easily our largest disconnect, by the way. You get so <laughs> excited by quote-unquote hot garbage orphan teams. <laughs> I'm just like, man, just let me draft my own. Like, I don't want to clean up someone else's mess. I like, I get the appeal. It can be fun. Uh, rebuilds are fun. Honestly, rebuilds are, are pretty fun. They're just, it's kind of expensive, you know? And uh, when when it's... Like if it's my fault that the team needs to be rebuilt, uh, then I I have a, a a much easier time accepting it because it's like I executed my strategy, either it it just didn't land or it just got timed out basically. Um, but I, you know, at least I got to do it my own way. <laughs> so somebody else's roster the entire time I'm just sitting there pissed off like dude why did you not draft any quarterbacks <laughs> I mean let's put you on the confessional John how many teams do you have right now where you would consider them in a rebuild probably around half of them I would say um and man I don't remember the exact numbers as far as how many leagues I'm in but uh yeah, like I want to say I'm in like 10 dynasty leagues and about five of them are, are rebuilds. Some of them are very obvious rebuilds, but this is what's cool. Um, and I want to hear about yours as well. But I've got one that was a strong contender and I kind of built it up more and more towards uh, uh, later in the season as it started to get hot. And then lost in the second round of the playoffs, missed out on the money. And now... I mean, this is one like I, I, you know, when you ask that question, I didn't consider this team as a rebuild, but it's got Cooper Cup. It's got Keenan Allen. It's got, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield's he's quarterback three. So it's not a that's not a huge deal. But, uh, you know, can he trap lightning in a bottle? Um, two years in a row, I, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure. So I don't know how solid I am at quarterback, uh, running backs. It's guys like Jonathan Taylor and, you know, Ramondre Stevenson. There's some, there's some decent guys. It's not that they're necessarily old. It's just that that position needs to be churned anyways. So like, this is, what I'm hoping to get out of this conversation is the answer to the question, do I rebuild this roster or do I let it ride? 
It's a great question this time of year. And I think there are a lot of different types of teams that could maybe fall into this category of potential rebuilder. And so I'm just going to throw out a couple of different scenarios, John, and I want to get your opinion um, on a few of these. So we've got, you know, orphan teams, teams that you're coming into really for the first non-point scoring season. The league is existing. There's a certain dynamic there. And, and you're very much the newcomer. Um, another situation, you just got a bad team. Something went wrong and it went off the rails at a certain point. And now you're sitting with a mess and you haven't orphaned the team. You're, you're sitting in this and you're saying like, you know what? I'm not giving up on this. I'm going to work through the process of rebuilding a team. Or maybe you intentionally did this. Maybe you've got a productive struggle team where, you know, you took on some extra draft capital. Um, you took on some younger players that you think are going to become contributors down the line. And maybe this non-point scoring season, you're saying like, hey, I've got to put some pieces together and I can turn this into a contender possibly. Um, maybe you've got a bunch of Keenan Allen type profiles, older players who are aging out. And this could be your last hurrah. Do you make the plunge into a rebuilding team or some other situation? So I want to ask you, do you treat all of these situations the same? I imagine you don't. I imagine there's nuance to what classifies as a rebuilder with these different bins and how you're going to be attacking the non-point scoring season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, kind of to your point, that's really kind of where it starts. Like, it, like the, the, the term rebuild is, is a little too ambiguous. And I think that's part of why people have kind of a hard time talking about it and having, a, have a hard time, uh, you know, kind of, uh, dissecting their uh, their process a little bit because there are a bunch of different ways that you can say that you can end up in a quote-unquote rebuild you know i've got some i I've, I've got some roster like i said this one was a this one was a, a strong contender it's kind of old at the moment it's like i could rebuild that i could call that a rebuild i could also let it ride i could also just kind of retool it a little bit you know, trade away some of those wide receivers, take a little bit of a bath on the, uh, on the trades on the trade value. Uh, but like get back some younger guys with some upside, you know, like it could be that easy. That could be my entire rebuild and then it's done. Uh, so, you know, there's kind of a, a, a lot of different ways to do it, but then I've got some that need to be just torn all the way to the ground. <laughs> I've got some that are just in horrible, horrible shape. Uh, and then I've got, uh, you know, we talk about trade addict six a lot like that team. I've really kind of been rebuilding it for, for over a year now, which is going to fly in the face of a lot of what we're going to say, uh, in this episode, but it, it's been kind of taking a while. Um, and now, you know, it's, it's finally kind of out of, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of out of rebuild mode. It's just kind of detail the roster and we talk a lot about how to do that with running backs but that's still kind of part of the rebuild right like that's the finishing touches on a rebuild but you're still rebuilding so yeah it's it's kind of all over the place and i think that you have to start with you know diagnosing it what type of rebuild are we talking about here is it just a simple retool is it that you know, this has been a rebuild 
and I don't have evidence yet that it's complete, but it kind it looks like it might be. Uh, you know, there's that's kind of the productive struggle thing. I think um, there are some, I, you know, they're they're like orphans, like you said. I mean, that's kind of one that, um, you know, like I was saying earlier, it's it's it's, it, you know, we're trying to trying to rebuild that into kind of the the blueprint that we would typically use. At least I assume that's how you do it as well. Um, that's what I typically do when I do take on an orphan is kind of uh, start with, uh, all right, so how do I get this to QBX? How do I get this into a flywheel? You know? So, yeah, it, it, it really kind of depends on, um, you know, it, it, it takes a little bit of a roster audit, I think, to kind of kick, kick everything off. And, and it means, uh, you know, defining what type of rebuild are we actually talking about? Yeah, and I think if we think in terms of years, that's a really good starting point for me. Um, you said you you tear a few of these teams really down to the studs. How long does it take you to rebuild one of these hot garbage teams? Is this a a one year, a two year, or maybe even a three year process for you? Yeah, I think if you tear it to the ground, and and like I said, so we're going to talk about. Uh, you know, what our process looks like. And you and I are both going to agree that generally speaking, a, a rebuild uh, it, it takes about a year tops, you know, sometimes less, honestly, sometimes you can get it done in one off season, one non-point scoring season. Uh, but, you know, when you have to just completely burn it to the ground and start over, I don't think there's anything wrong with that taking multiple years. And in fact, a lot of times you're going to run into a situation where, uh, you know, I've got one roster that I'm going into year three of a rebuild here and it's, it's on its way. You know, the quarterbacks are good. The wide receivers are good and young. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of good stuff on that roster, but again, like I'm missing the running backs. Um, it's going to be a, an off season of detailing that roster, but uh, you know, it, if, if I don't get it to where I want it by, uh, by September, I mean, I'm in year three of a rebuild and I think that's okay. You know, I think it's okay to not totally know at this point, um, you know, after several years, because people are going to run into situations where they're just kind of, they're, they're like, I've been rebuilding this. I feel like I'm on the right track. But everyone keeps telling me my rebuild should only take a year and it's taken two, you know, so maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I just suck at this in general. And to me, that's not the case at all. Uh, you know, ideally, you can you can reload in a, a year or less. But some of these rebuilds, I think, do take quite a bit of time because you have to figure out what you've got at some positions you know, specifically quarterback and wide receiver that you're not going to know right away what you've got if you've mm -hmm. got, you know, younger players. Yeah. Take me back a couple of years on that one, John. So yeah. you're, you're kind of digging into the third year. Do you feel good about your process? What did you do? What were the first moves that you made in that, that inaugural tanking year, that inaugural rebuilding year? Um, how did you, how did you move your roster around and what type of assets were you collecting? So that's, that's the one 
league where I just really kind of went all in on, on draft capital. Uh, I tore it down an older roster with guys like Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry that made it to a championship, maybe even won won a championship a few years ago. Um, but yeah, it was starting to get older. And so, yeah, just kind of tore it down and was really just kind of collecting draft capital. And I, again, I took a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a bath. I got a little bit of, a, took a little bit of a loss on getting some draft picks, at least from, you know, from my perspective, I think that my trade partners felt like it was pretty even um, because of the way most people tend to value draft picks. I don't mythologize them <laughs> at all. Um, and so, you know, giving up Joe Mixon for a, for a first round pick, a random first round pick in a 16 team league, to me, that didn't, that didn't sit right, you know, two years ago. So, you know, it, it was a lot of moves like that though, a lot of draft capital, um, and then the year one, I guided my own pick to 101. Uh, I ended up with 101, 103, and 106, I believe. Um, and now, so that was uh, that was going into this this past season, in fact, um, that I guided it there. So I was on track for Bijan Robinson, but why uh, quarterback was still a major major issue. So I traded back in the first round. Uh, I end up with. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I had I got that combo in a lot of spots. Um, and then uh some wide receivers, Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, Tank Dell. Um uh yeah, I can't remember who else, but like in and then ended up making some trades uh where I got Lamar Jackson, who I did not want on this roster. <laughs> it's just like, man, this is this is kind of a waste. <laughs> for like MVP season and most of my scorers are on taxi, you know? Uh, and, and then, yeah, traded into Kyler Murray. And um, so really kind of focused the, the rebuild around quarterbacks, you know, surprise, surprise. And then young wide receivers. And, but now again, running back is just an absolute mess. I've got Isaiah Pacheco and a bunch of bench guys and it's not nearly where I would like it in terms of, of numbers either. My head count at running back is, is super low. So um, it's a hard league to trade in. Uh, and I should have accounted for that when I moved back. Turns out I could have had Bijan Robinson and CJ Stroud. And I think that that roster would be a lot farther along. I probably would have even been a little bit competitive this year. So yeah, it's, it, 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 like that was one where I, like I said, I stripped it all the way down to the ground, just slash and burn. And then, uh, and started over with, you know, targeting heavily targeting quarterbacks and some, some young wide receivers. So when you had all this draft capital, was there a market for those draft picks in your leagues? I know you said this was a tough league to trade in, but typically when I'm rebuilding, I still see folks trying to acquire my rookie draft picks. And I think I'm a little bit different than most dynasty players in that 
I can't stand making a rookie draft pick. And so I'm curious about the dynamics surrounding having all that draft capital, because it seems like you made most of those picks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, for the most part, I ended up making the picks and, uh, uh, you know, it, it, again, it was, it was a tough league to trade in. Um, not a lot of people paying enough attention anyways, but they also, it was a lot of analysts who I think kind of pushed themselves to devalue rookie picks. Um, and and which, you know, I think generally speaking, that's probably the right thing to do. It's just frustrating for those of us who have a bunch of them and want to trade them away. Uh, but it also, it it does make me think in, in you know, a, a big part of this is watching J. Mike build that roster in TA6 with just draft capital. Every, every year he's got at least half of the first round and part of the second round, you know. And, uh, and, and, you know, the one year he had the entire first round, <laughs> so, uh, it, you know, seeing that his, his made me wonder at this point, I think it's more just a thesis, but I do wonder if there's something to it to make the draft pick. If you've got enough of them, you kind of mitigate the risk of making a draft pick. If you just have your one pick, then I'm, I'm with you. Like, obviously, you know, Bryce Young ended up being a pretty terrible pick for a lot of people. Um, and we'll see. The story's not written. But, uh, you know, for the moment, that looks like it was a pretty bad pick. But if you had enough draft picks that you took him and C.J. Stroud, then you're feeling pretty good about that, even though it took two picks to do that. Who wouldn't trade those same two picks call it 102 and 104 who wouldn't trade that right now for CJ Stroud you know in a much better quarterback class in fact yeah I, I get that I think that's a pretty solid point I wonder what you could get for the equivalent picks in this year's draft and if you'd be inclined you know let's help the super friends out we've got some folks who are rebuilding this non-point scoring season and they've probably got a lot of draft capital would you recommend that they make the picks this year um, do the same thing and take a chance that they hit on one or two or, and maybe just ride this youth wave, or would you recommend this non-point scoring season investigating some of these maybe veteran profiles? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, and, and it kind of depends on where you're at, um, you know, in the rebuild. So in that league, in these leagues where I've got, you know, quarterback is good, wide receiver is good and young. Uh, and you know, I'm looking for running backs. It, I, I think that this rookie class of running backs is going to be better than a lot of people are telling you, but, uh, I think that people are viewing rookie picks right now as wide receivers and, you know, because it, it is going to be a strong wide receiver class. There's no doubt about that. It's just, we keep saying this, it, it, it that doesn't matter wide receivers don't really matter. Like there are plenty of ways to find that scoring. So if they're going to give you value, the value of a wide receiver for a, a pick that you were going to make a running back. I mean, to me, the move is to trade that pick for a running back instead, yeah. you know, uh, it, that like, that's kind of the, um, that's where you get the player equivalent of the wide receiver that they're targeting uh, rather than, 
you know, just reaching for a rookie running back who may or may not hit. So I, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for running back help, I think this is a year to, to trade those picks. If you're looking for quarterbacks and wide receivers, you probably want to stay put honestly. Um, and especially if you've got multiple picks, multiple shots at those foundational positions, I think that you, you make them and, I think that it can shorten your rebuild the more of those picks you can make. Do you think it's gotten easier, harder, or just as difficult to rebuild over the last you know year or two than when you first started playing Dynasty? It's it's gotten a little bit more difficult um, with the uh, the the rising values of wide receivers. It's so funny, man. Like I I keep. I keep hearing people like I keep seeing like tweets and um, and, you know, people on podcasts, even they say, oh, I used to be a running back guy, but just kind of recently I pivoted to more of a wide receiver guy. Like they, they keep saying that as if that's some kind of like groundbreaking thing. It's like that's the entire fad. That's the entire wave. That's pop dynasty. That's like that's what we've that's what we've seen for for the last 3 years now is kind of this slow decline in value of running backs and this this massive uptick in value at wide receiver and the problem is wide receiver is a is you know generally speaking it's a good position to kind of build around because once they hit once you know what you've got you've got it for a while yeah you know and so like it, it's it's a little bit like paying cash uh, for a home rather than taking out a mortgage, you know, you, you do it once and then you're done. So, but the fact that people are just overvaluing them, it's making it a lot harder, uh, to find some guys. Like you have to get a little bit lucky with the Puka Nakua's and Tank Dell's and Jaden Reed's, you know, you have to find those guys because, you know, the, the first round guys, the Jordan Addison's and, Jackson Smith and the Jigbas and, you know, uh, Zay Flowers, those guys are harder to acquire than they used to be. And it's it, that just makes it tough because that's what we want to be doing in order to kick off our rebuild. This is an opportunity to be pretty dramatically different than your league mates if you're rebuilding. Yeah. If the value of middle tier wide receivers has gone up, if we're having drafts that are predominantly rookies at the 107 through the one you said that you had a 16 team league through the 116 really we're probably going to have mostly wide receivers there yep um this is this is something that i think we can chase where we're trying not to be the same i think if you're rebuilding you either have to be better than everyone else at getting those young players or you have to just completely avoid trying to best the other rebuilders um, and the other middle tier teams, because you're competing with what eight different teams in that market. I wonder if there are other ways to maybe kick off a rebuild and have it end a little quicker. I want to circle back to your older team. You said you had some veteran wide receivers like Cooper cup. Um, did you say Devonte Adams? I think, I think you mentioned a few of the uh, older guys, right? Yeah. Keenan Allen. Um, I mean, like Hollywood Brown is on that roster and it's like, he's not old, but he's kind of old news a little mm -hmm. bit, you know? So yeah, like it's, it's 
it's Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen, Hollywood Brown are the top three wide receivers. And just like always, I've got very little depth behind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that one feels more like you're slapping a new coat of paint on that team potentially and, and riding it out for another year. Yeah. Is that is that going to be your strategy? Are you going to invest in running backs and get that flywheel moving again? Or are you thinking about stripping that team down and maybe pushing out a year or two? I'm kind of leaning towards letting it roll. I'm I'm curious what you would do. I I kind of think, uh, and this is something that I want to get into with you in a second. But um, yet to answer the question, I, I yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards like let's just uh, let's just let it ride. Let's let's see what happens for one more season with these guys. Um, I you know I like I think that there are some opportunities for me to. Uh, you know, for instance, like I've got Rashid Shahid, uh, and I think that that the package of Rashid Shahid and Keenan Allen or Rashid Shahid and Cooper Cup probably again, like I'm taking a little bit of a loss, but I think that I can probably find, it, you know, get a little bit younger at wide receiver in a two for one deal with guys like that. So, uh, you know, I, I I haven't completely given up on the idea that uh, there's some moves to be made here. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that I'll be able to, I would, I would be able to make enough moves to turn this into a rebuild. So yeah, I mean, I think that my momentum is just kind of taking me into, uh, you know, make another run with these older guys. Yeah, so. I think we underestimate the longevity of some of these really elite profiles. The dynasty community has gotten a little bit antsy in moving on from a Stefan Diggs or a Devontae Adams or a Cooper Cup. When you perform at that level, you are very likely to continue that further than the average NFL player. Your career arc does not dip as dramatically as other players in lower tiers. So if you have, let's say, a Keenan Allen versus a Calvin Ridley archetype, my bet is that Keenan Allen is not only going to be productive longer, but that his dip in production is going to be lesser than Calvin Ridley's will be as both of them start to age into their early to mid-30s. Yeah, I think so too. So like I said, I kind of wanted to circle back to this a little bit though. Um, just because, like I said, I think that uh, you and I might have slightly different approaches uh, to this. And I think that it, that this is pretty important because, you know, my my approach, like I said, I, like I'm really kind of operating in a in a pretty tight box. You know, I like I'm not really looking around my league at uh, what is what is everyone else doing? Where are the strengths? Where are the weaknesses? I'm really just kind of going off of, all right, I know that quarterbacks uh, give you longevity. They give you job security. Um, you know, once they hit, they stay hit, basically. Um, I know that to a slightly lesser extent, wide receivers do the same thing. And I know that running backs ultimately just kind of, you know, they'll they'll give you a year at some point, and then they're generally kind of done. Uh, and so it's it's a constant churn at that position, which is why I just kind of wait until the end to even deal with that position. Um, but I know that for you, it's it's a lot more about kind of reacting to the rest of the market um, and 
uh, you know, trying to uh, kind of get to a point of leverage, in fact, um, to where the market is reacting to you. Absolutely. I don't necessarily think of a rebuild as buying value or buying draft picks. That's that's not my mindset when I'm rebuilding. I may do those things, but that's not the end goal for me. What I'm trying to do is one of two things. I'm trying to put point scoring utility onto my roster. So when I am ready to compete, I have startable players, hopefully elite players, that I can put into those lineup positions. The rest of the game for me, beyond the nine or 10 players that I'm putting in my lineup on a weekly basis, is influence. And I think you hit it on the head. A lot of people, they completely ignore the influence factor of the value on their roster. And so if I'm rebuilding, that is almost exclusively what I'm trying to buy is influence. How can I either corner markets on positions? How can I kick people out of their own rebuild so the market is a little softer for me? Um, if I'm competing, how can I dictate who I'm competing against? There are a lot of different ways to navigate the influence side of the dynasty market. And I, I think there's huge edges to be gained there that almost nobody talks about. And when you're rebuilding, like you have this blank template. It's like pristine snow out there that's untrodden and you get to do whatever you want. And I see so many people take a very traditional approach that's not all that different than what we've been talking about for the past 10 or 15 minutes where we acquire rookie picks, we draft young wide receivers, um, we will take a quarterback at 102 and 104 and we hope that they hit at the 50-50 rate. And we just kind of hope that the dice rolls in our favor and I just, I can't play that way because I take on orphans and I have to be more aggressive because my teams are just obviously worse. They were almost always orphaned for a reason, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Like what's, what's kind of the hack, uh, for, for, uh, lowering the risk, um, of the profile? Like what are, what are some, what's kind of the profile? What's the archetype that you can... Uh, target to to uh, um, to again to kind of lower that risk to make it feel like uh, you know this is a lot more stable um, than again like you know like the situation that I was in in TA six I mean it, it worked out but my wide receivers going into the season Puka Nakua Tank Dell like that didn't that didn't look great that was risky as hell. I just rolled snake eyes, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if there's kind of a, if there's an easier way to go about that, uh, I think that people would probably really like to hear that. Absolutely. I think you have to start with yourself first and foremost in business. You have to put deadlines on your goals or they don't matter. They're just hopes and dreams. So if you're going to put a deadline of a one year turnaround, you need to create a plan to actually execute that. You can't just say like, yeah, I think I'll probably be better next year. Let's find a way to do it, right? And so Jordan McNamara has been instrumental in this concept to where you look at ADP, startup ADP, and you find profiles that are sort of buried pretty deep in that ADP. And what you're really looking for, let's just hone in on the wide receiver position for a second. 
you're looking for players who have not hit before sitting next to players who have hit before. If you're drafting in the ninth through the 14th round of a startup draft, those are all one-year bets, right? You cannot assume that this player is going to be on your team in three years. That's just not reality. About a third of your roster should turn over every single year if you're trading actively, if you're managing your, your roster effectively. And so if you're in a rebuild or if you're in a startup draft, simply look for the profiles that are depressed in startup ADP. They're eminently acquirable. Players who have hit in the past are more likely to hit in the future. And it's just a very easy uh, utility gain for your roster. If you have starting players in your lineup, you are not necessarily put over a barrel by your league mates because they see a hole and you feel a little bit of anxiety about not having a wide receiver three. Just get Tyler Lockett for the price of what? A third and a fourth round pick this non-point scoring season? And you've insulated the position. You have a profile that's hit in the past and you don't really have to worry about anything. You don't have to have the anxiety of filling an empty roster spot in September, and you can navigate from there because a Puka Nakua might reveal themselves, you know, from the depths of your bench. And all of a sudden you have a strength instead of treading water at a position. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, uh, so, uh, all right. So the, the part that I got really stuck on was the churning uh, third of your roster. Mm-hmm. Um, do you plan on a certain amount of that being, uh, any, any one position or, um, you know, a certain, certain number of, uh, a certain amount of turnover at, at each position. I mean, it's going to be heavy running backs, generally mm-hmm. speaking, like I said, you got to churn those, but are you also just kind of planning for some churn at wide receiver and at quarterback? Oh, Absolutely. I buy injured running backs and I buy injured quarterbacks. In order to do that, you do have to acquire wide receivers in the non-point scoring season because that's what people want. And so my roster week one doesn't always look like it will in week six because I know that I'm not sure what the name is, but I know somebody's going to get hurt at a position that I want, right? And so I'm willing to trade a Rashid Shahid and... I don't know, running back 43 for an injured James Conner, because I know when he comes back, he's going to get 25 carries. So those are the types of moves that I'm making where I know I'm going to be consolidating upward into more predictable profiles. People hate holding on to injured running backs. It's been, in my opinion, the easiest rebuilding hack is just buying injured running backs because there's going to be a point uh, sometime before the next season where there will be a value bump. Everyone tells you not to buy running backs if you're rebuilding. I have not found that to be true at all. I have found running backs to be one of the easiest value gains. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's kind of been, you know, a, a big missing piece for me over the last few years. Like I said, this is kind of where I'm getting stuck in these multi-year rebuilds is, you know, primarily targeting those found those foundational positions i stand by that part of it mm-hmm. but just completely ignoring running back until everything else is in place i think has been uh the big thing that uh that that needs some adjustment in my personal strategy um but it it, it sounds like 
maybe I should also be considering um, expanding my universe of uh, of acceptable wide receivers um, for a rebuild because um, I, I mean, it, so it it, it kind of sounds to me like uh, you know my roster where it's it's Cooper Cup and Keenan Allen and Hollywood Brown and Rashid Shahid. It kind of sounds like you probably wouldn't let it get to that point, you know, particularly a wide receiver or it, the older wide receivers. I mean, um, it sounds like you you're kind of planning on churning those guys uh, before it gets to a point where, um, you know, you, you feel a little bit stuck with them um, on their as they age out rather than, uh, you know, what or, like it. it, it it sounds like you're you're churning those guys a lot sooner um, where I'm trying to just kind of build around them and just take advantage of the fact that that's set at least for the moment, you know, and then I'll deal with tomorrow when tomorrow comes. Yeah. The only receiver that I won't trade away is Justin Jefferson. I'm willing to trade away every other wide receiver just because the production curves don't really match the value of these types of players. One thing I want you to be cognizant of, though, is when you have other managers with more than 10 wide receivers on their team, and, and we're talking about 10 of the top 36 wide receivers, every time you trade for one of their receivers, you make another guy more relevant on that manager's team. And so what I'm trying to do is maybe leave those wide receivers where they are. If someone has a plethora, if they've got an abundance and they like hoarding wide receiver, I want as many on their team as possible because that's going to help me in my rebuild because those receivers, they're never going to see the light of day in a starting lineup. I would rather go to somebody who has six or seven wide receivers and pull one of theirs away. Yeah, definitely. So are you, are you willing to mess with uh, the mix in the non-point scoring season? We, we always talk about head count. We talk about, um, you know, you're, you're, trying to get lean at wide receiver so that you can, so you have more room on the roster for running backs. And, um, and then for us both, um, you know, for QBX purposes and for arms race, shout out to Zach Reed at Tacit Assassin, um, <laughs> dynasty dummies and dynasty grind. He, uh, he was the one who coined the term arms race, um, which for the, at least for the moment, I think that's the official name of the strategy, right? Oh, it has to be. Yeah, it was a great it was a great idea. And he's actually on Trade Addicts this week. So check him out. Um, it should be a great episode. I love Zach so much. We've we've got to get him on here to talk about rookies. Uh he's I I always try and give him as much time as possible. But on Dynasty Grind this past week, he went out of his way to say, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about rookies right now. They feel like it's way too early. And I'm just seeing that raising my hand. I'm like, yeah, like, I don't know if this was directed at me, but like it's directed at me. Um, he, but he was saying like, I, like, I love talking rookies right now. Like this is the perfect time to, um, to, to start to get to know them, get to know the profiles and, and everything before, we have to start worrying about like what is what is their individual value looking like. So I thought that was a really cool point. So we'll have to to get him on here to um, to talk rookies with us as as soon as we can too. But 
yeah, you know, back to the point though, um, you know, we're kind of looking at, at clearing some roster space um, for quarterbacks because we want a lot of them in both of our cases. We also want a lot of running backs. I mean, in most leagues, your roster is going to expand in a non-point scoring season. Um, but or how much are you willing to uh, to be flexible with, um, you know, with kind of the roster mix that you're going for? I take the non-point scoring season in two phases with my wide receiver roster ship. At this time of year, I would rather trade Rashid Shahid for a Miles Sanders type profile leading up to the rookie draft because people haven't quite figured out what their teams are going to look like post-rookie draft. And it's a good opportunity to just get into some running back profiles. After the rookie draft, they're going to be veteran wide receivers that people are just sick of. They don't want them on their team anymore for whatever reason. Um, That's a great buying opportunity, not to get the young guys, but to get some of the old guys to fill out the starting, the utility side of your roster so that you're feeling pretty good going into July, August, September. What I've found is that there is a rush in the late summer to balance rosters, to really start filling out those starting lineups. And I know we don't have a need on our rosters in July, but it's really not a bad time to start filling those before everyone else does. And I've found that to be a great time to buy veteran wide receivers. Have you seen that as well? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I've always seen people doing that from the, from the get kind of like right now, you know, somebody was doing a startup right now, they're still going to be looking at what's my lineup going to look like when I'm through this, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a massive flaw, but um, it like, it's, it's really pretty bad process, but like I'll have people ask me like, you know, who should I draft this player, this player? And I'm I'm like, yeah, take the quarterback. I mean, you just keep taking quarterbacks, but you know, and they're like, well, I don't have a tight end yet. It does not matter. (laughs) It really doesn't matter. Um, Especially a tight end, but just in general, like, yeah, like you're, we're not trying to set lineups just yet, but um, yeah, the people who don't fall into that trap typically wait until kind of the last minute. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think that uh, there's kind of a middle ground there that I think we probably want to target. Yeah. How do you handle risk when you're rebuilding? Are you more willing to take on riskier profiles or different roster constructions than maybe you're comfortable with? Like how do your, how do your teams look not necessarily just from a roster ship standpoint, but from a risk standpoint when you've moved into a rebuild? Yeah, I think you kind of have to, right? I mean, first of all, you've got to take on more wide receivers um, because you've got to, in order for this to work where you where you build a solid foundation uh, that you can build off of, it starts with getting it right at wide receiver, getting it right at quarterback. Quarterback, uh, you know, there's like getting it right is, I mean, just generally having warm bodies. Uh find the guys with job security. That's all you really need. Like you don't have to find, you didn't have to find CJ Stroud, you know, Uh, like just having enough guys who have some job security, enough job security that you don't have to readdress that position for a while. That's all we're really looking for. 
but wide receiver is the other foundational position. And, you know, like it, it's, it's going to be pretty important to your rebuild that you get that piece at least a little bit right, you know? So, yeah, I think you take on more upside guys. I think you take on more wide receivers just in general. But yeah, you're also kind of looking at, at more upside type guys. Um, part of it is it's kind of a cheap way to rebuild, you know, like Traylon Burks and Jackson Smith and Ajigba. Like these are guys who right now um, have pretty depressed values that you can be targeting um, and you're going to get them pretty cheap. And, you know, if they if they finally if they break out you know, then all of a sudden your rebuild at wide receiver is just, is done. So yeah, like, I, like, I think that you've got to do a little bit of that. I think that you've got to take some shots and since you are kind of rolling the dice at wide receiver, I think that you've got to do it more than, than you, than you necessarily want to. One consideration that needs to be said is how is the draft order determined in your league? If it's based on potential points, I'm still kind of hesitant to roster more wide receivers. I, I think I want to push my my value into rookie quarterbacks because we know that even if they don't hit in the first year, there's almost always a value bump in that first non-point scoring season. And so I wonder if moving some of those wide receivers pretty early for struggling rookie quarterbacks Maybe a good move because you're going to see a value dip into, you know, October, November, December, potentially, if you have a Bryce Young situation, but you can't tell me he's not going to raise in value come April, May, June. Yeah, absolutely. And and we talk about it all the time at wide receiver too. I mean, there, there are plenty of ways to, to go about addressing that position too. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, like I, I, I feel like I'm kind of presenting this as, um, you know, you're looking for the wide receivers that allow you to just be done at wide receiver, and that's not exactly it. Like we're looking for, uh, for for just kind of, uh, we're looking for the the wide receiver position to be, um, to be solid and. Uh, you know, so that we can ignore it, but that doesn't mean it has to be the same names at all times. Kind of mm-hmm. once you get to the point where, like, say your your goal is four wide receivers, um, you know, you're starting two of them and two of them are on the bench. You find those two guys, and now you know that that position is set without you just keeping those guys uh, and making them untouchable. Like you mm-hmm. can still keep moving within the wide receiver position but you've got some starters and uh, you know, like you'll find some guys who are going to be startable along the way. Absolutely. Let's talk about building momentum because you hit on tank Dell, you hit on Puka Nakua, you've got CJ Stroud. Um, I think you're at a point here pretty soon, John, where you need to shift from rebuilder into contender. How do you make that decision and, and what changes in your mind once you do make that choice? Um, man, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think, well, and, and again, you know, the, it's, it's one of the few times where I actually somewhat react to the league. Uh, that's not always my strong suit. 
Uh, it's not always part of my process. Um, and that's why, you know, your strategy is very complimentary um, and, and very useful to people because it's not something that I, that they would have heard on, on the Superflex Super Show <laughs> if you weren't here. Um, but it, it, in this case, it did kind of happen. And a big part of it is J Mike has been so dominant in that league for so long. Uh, and his roster is still absolutely loaded and he's got a ton of draft picks and he's making moves to get more of them. Like he's gonna, he's gonna stay in a good position, you know? Um, but a lot of people have really kind of resigned themselves in that league to the fact that he just owns it. And so, you know, my, my rebuild doesn't have to be quite as complete in that league for me to, at least have a shot at top two. Am I going to take J Mike down right away? I mean, probably not. <laughs> I, it, it's, it is possible by the way, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm not planning on that, but I think that I'm good enough to be top two. Uh, and you know, I, I think that uh, I've, I'm in a position in that league where um, I'm one of the few who are willing to be aggressive enough um, in, in, you know, I'm also just kind of okay with top two. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't don't have to be. You know, I I I don't have to to. It, I don't I don't have to eat the whole elephant in one one sitting. You know, <laughs> like that's not. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, so it starts there. It starts like kind of where do I fit in the landscape of this particular league. I think, but it's also, um, you know, it's, it's, it's things like, uh, how available are, uh, how, how available is, is the flywheel essentially? How, what, what can I do to get to the head counts that I'm shooting for? How hard is that going to be? And, you know, you consider things like trade activity. You, you consider the way people value the different players, the different positions, uh, in your league, you consider waivers, how fruitful have waivers been, how active are people on waivers. Um, that's one nice thing with, with trade addicts, even though it's a super deep bench, waivers are have been pretty good to us for the for the last few years. Um, there have been some some very good players available on waivers. So, you know, that's uh that's that's kind of a consideration that's one of the variables i think that goes into it there's there's you know it's 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 really just kind of uh you know because like i said that other league where it's really hard to trade waivers are pretty picked clean i i'm kind of looking at a third rebuild season here just because i'm not confident in my ability to trade into the running backs that i need from where i'm at um, just because people don't trade, you know, <laughs> and the the draft capital I have, that's not going to help a whole lot. I'll get some decent running backs out of it and I'll start to rebuild it, but I'm not going to be ready to to take off just yet. Um, and so, you know, I'm kind of looking at the at the league itself and saying, all right, this. This league is not going to um, to be conducive to to just throwing it out of rebuild mode and, and into contender mode. Here's one thing I want to talk about is the trade market. If you are exiting a rebuild or considering exiting a rebuild, 
your profile as a manager has changed. The assets that you were looking for, you might not be looking for anymore. The assets you're seeking out, maybe that manager has not had an offer recently for that running back that you're looking to acquire, that headcount that you're looking to get. And so there could be a stagnant market that's just hidden in activity. Like an inactive market is not necessarily that trades can't get done. It's just the right offers aren't being sent to get those trades done. And so if you're staring this down, super friends, where it's like, hey, nobody's trading in this league. When's the last time you sent out an offer for a Khalil Herbert, right? If you're in a rebuild, you're probably not doing that very frequently. That could be there. So just because it hasn't happened in the past, I would not say that that is status quo. I think that there's an an edge to be gained because nobody's trading. That means you get to refresh the market yourself and take advantage of some really good value gains. Yeah, at least in theory, I agree. Um, And and generally speaking, I think that's going to, that's going to work. I think that we all have those leagues though, where we're just like, man, this just like, it does, it just doesn't happen. So for, again, that league where I've, I've got Lamar Jackson, I felt like he just did not fit my roster. He was scoring a ton of points, which was helping, which was hurting my ability to tank. Um, and you know, even helped me win a game on accident that I didn't want to win. <laughs> like right there alone, like that, you know, not a great fit. I I just also I feel like he kind of ebbs and flows so much uh, that when you get a good season out of him, you almost have to plan on the next season being kind of middle of the road. Um, at least you know, relatively speaking, like for him, uh, you know, a, a year where he he could finish top five but he does it on you know four monster games kind of like he did last year um and so like that's just not something that i want on this roster when i'm trying to rebuild it so i'm you know i put up put him on trade bait i i i'm sending out offers where i'm sending you know lamar jackson for a like a uh you know, for a youth movement, for, you know, downgraded quarterback, for a younger quarterback and, you know, a little bit of running back depth. And I'm just like getting rejected and then getting these trash offers for Lamar Jackson, where I'm just like, why would I ever do that? You know, (laughs) (laughs) when I'm running into that, if I'm exiting a rebuild, I am sending offers to literally every single manager, treating them in dual ways. One is a contender and one is a rebuilder. And then I'm seeing what they counter back at because they're going to tip their hand in terms of what it is their goal is this non-point scoring season. And I want to know what that is. And so just send out offers. Don't assume that somebody is contending, somebody is rebuilding. Send them both and send it to everybody. I think that a stagnant trading market it sucks. And it's mostly everyone else's fault if if you're active. <laughs> but if it's still not happening, send out twice as many offers, batch them so that people are signing on at the same time. If you are trying to exit a rebuild, you have to have a robust trade market. That is the time when you need to cash in on some of this market value and get some dang points on your lineup. I, I just, I don't take that as a reasonable enough excuse to not complete a rebuild and if it's if it's truly that way that's probably not a league for you anyway you know if if you can't get anybody to trade and you've sent 150 offers that's one thing 
But if you're sending out, you know, an offer once a week trying to get Lamar off your team, that's not enough for me if I'm exiting a rebuild. I, I, I need to be significantly more aggressive in my offers um, once I make that choice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know what? I'm going to go out of analyst mode out of like, uh, you know, just generally speaking, this is kind of the, the, the guideline. These are the guidelines to follow. And I'm just going to go straight into dynasty manager mode here for a second, because, uh, to me, that type of league, I'm going to like, I'm going to call them out a little bit here. Um, because it is, there, there are a lot of analysts in that league too. Um, when you're sending that type of offer and you're rejecting reasonable offers for Lamar Jackson and you're sending back just horrible, horrible offers where you're sending me, you know, Brock Purdy in a second or something like that. <laughs> like, <Thank you. laughs> yeah. Like, so they always talk about anti-tanking measures because quote unquote, the integrity of the league, we've got to protect the integrity of the league. Right. Um, and so we can't have somebody tanking. Well, you also can't have somebody making those god-awful trades. If I accepted Brock Purdy in a second for Lamar Jackson, that to me is more damaging to the quote-unquote integrity of the league than me tanking. Like that's, that's kind of, that's worse, you know, and you don't want people making that type of trade. So don't send that type of offer. That's just yeah. not even a, like kind of the the best case scenario is it just gets rejected and they just think, all right, so you're not, you're just not going to, you're not going to deal with me. Mm-hmm. We all have players that we love. We all have players that we don't want to see moved off of our roster. I love Mark Andrews. I don't want to trade him away at market value, but that's what I say. And if people keep making offers and say like, no, I, I really want to figure out what the value line is with you then you can send the ridiculous offer. But if that's your first counter, I, I totally agree. Um, <laughs> I, I get so frustrated with other managers who do that. And for me, my standard procedure is just to say, thanks for the offer. I appreciate it in the comments. And that means I'm pissed off at you. You know, like <laughs> blaming them isn't going to help anything, but it's like, that is the end of the conversation for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's probably the way. I I just I don't know. I'm I'm way too vindictive for that. Like I just get I get pissed off and I come on here and talk about it on the podcast. It's like I just I it's just very it's a it's it's passive aggressive uh with a little bit more uh just a, an extra kick of the aggressive i think like <laughs> my <laughs> my approach to it but yeah like i you know i i i just think that uh part of the conversation um and this is this it should be the case for every every analyst we should be talking about both sides of this you know uh, the rebuilds, yeah, like here, here's the process for rebuilding. It starts with, you know, identifying what type of rebuild it is, and then you kind of make some moves accordingly. But we should also be talking to those who aren't rebuilding, who have league mates who are. You know, I think that's pretty important. 
And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, I think that it, you know, f- again, first of all, if, if you're concerned with the integrity of the league, I mean, the goal should be a little bit of parody instead of just winning every trade, you know, it should be to get the rest of this league a little bit healthy. It's not on you to just completely rebuild somebody, but it's on you to, uh, you know, to, to, uh, put in as much value as you're trying to take out. Like that's kind of the minimum, you know? Yes and no. What I try to do when I see somebody who's obviously rebuilding is I try to acquire enough draft capital to take the best player off their team. Um, sometimes it's it's a really good player like a Lamar Jackson. I'll go shopping and I'll get just enough draft picks to make sure that they stay in their rebuild for that year and that none of my contending opponents have a shot at Lamar. And so like I will liquidate you know, the bottom half of my roster if I have to in a non-point scoring season just to make that type of deal happen. I did it last year with Jalen Hurts and I couldn't have been happier with it, right? My opponent got a whole bunch of draft picks. I think I gave three firsts and a wide receiver. I gave, I gave a lot, you know, almost the equivalent of four firsts in value uh, for Jalen Hurts. And I just beat the hell out of everybody at the quarterback position. That's how I like to do it where, Yes, I'm helping them, but I'm not helping them get out of this problem this year. I don't want to build a new contending team uh, at this point in the season. It, it it would feel pretty shitty to uh, to have somebody stumble into Tank Dell and Puka Nakua and CJ Stroud, and then you also feed them a whole bunch of value that they then turn to to beat you in the playoffs. So you have to be careful there too. Yeah, totally. I I mean, so the big thing is you're paying fair value. You're paying Mm -hmm. full value. And I think that's important. Trying to, uh, you know, uh, trying to uh, take advantage of the fact that they are rebuilding and assuming that that means you've got some leverage um, and then trying to apply that leverage is to me, that's that's the wrong way to go about this. But um you know trying to trying to get discounts just because like this this poor rebuilder is just you know they they don't have options other than to give you whatever you want for whatever you're willing to pay like that's that's where this the the entire economy of the league just kind of gets tanked you know and get um, orphans that way too i don't, I don't want to lose league mates I'm in a lot of these leagues because I like playing with y'all. You know, I don't, I don't right. want to make it so miserable that you leave. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I mean, what I, and what, you know, what I will say is uh, the tough part with what you're, what you're saying, um, you know, and again, like I don't have a problem with it because you're paying full value. Mm-hmm. The tough part is what happens when you need that team to beat somebody uh, later in the season to whether it's to help you, um, get to the playoffs or help you with seeding, whatever it is. I'm all for take, you know, handle your own business, but part of handling your own business is equipping some people to, uh, to win some games that'll help you, um, help further your cause. That depends on the starting requirements to me. If we're talking about like a start eight, start nine, pretty shallow starting lineups, variance will take care of itself there on a week to week basis. Um, I had a team that had one loss and it was to the worst team in the league. 
right? That just that happens on a mm. weekly basis. If we're talking about a start 11 or 12, those lineups are deep enough where you kind of know who's going to be good going into the year. And so I totally agree with you there. Um, I, th I think that a lot of it comes down to knowing who the contenders really are, the, the super contenders, and just saying like, yeah, you might get me in week nine, but the game that matters is week 16, week 17, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and I guess like, yeah, part of where I'm coming from on is, is you just want to, it you know, it, it, it overall, I think that it helps uh, your own cause mm -hmm. to give people a reason to compete. Yeah. You know, um, give, give them the tools to be competitive, but, um, and, and not give them, you know, we're not giving them, we're not running charities here, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, it, like consider making that same move, but take it out a draft pick and throw in an upside young player, you know, and it doesn't, if they, if they don't hit, they don't hit. But, you know, if if they do hit, uh, you've helped that team, again, potentially win you a game that that just win a game uh, somewhere along the line that helps you further your cause, you know? Yeah. So The just thing I that, get nervous about is like, all right, let's say you and I, you know, we're the top two teams in the league, right? And I feed uh, Joe Burrow to one of the non-contending teams. Um, and, you know, I get, um, I don't know, a top 12 wide receiver and another really good starting quarterback, right? So I've arbitraged. I am now a stronger contender because of that. What I'm always fearful of is that non-contending team turning around and selling you, John, Joe Burrow, uh, for draft picks, right? So in essence, I've helped your team get better by putting these other players sort of on a more general trade block. And so I, I try to be really cognizant of which profiles I'm feeding other non-contenders. Um, it's, it's tough to not galaxy brain this whole conversation. Right. Um, <laughs> I was I just, I was just sitting here thinking that I was like, man, we might be getting awfully close to a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, where I was going to lead that is I, I don't know how much content today has been truly actionable. I think the conversation is interesting. I really enjoy talking with you about these types of concepts. I think we need to have a rebuilding AMA from the Super Friends. I think we need to get questions about what do I do in this situation? And you and I can like talk through the dynamics of those specific situations through the context of this broader conversation that we've had. Yeah. And what I love is we're kind of finding out that there's some differences. I, mm -hmm. Not always, not always a ton, um, kind of depends on the topic a little bit, but uh, there's some differences in our strategies, which I think is, uh, is super useful as well. So, you know, you can kind of take advantage of the fact that you're going to get two different possible approaches. Um, and then from there you get to choose which one do you prefer? So, yeah, yeah. I think that's a great idea. Kind of a follow-up to this, uh, could be a, a, a kind of an ask me anything type of episode. Um, it's funny. I always I always say ask me anything, and then I just get a bunch of dynasty football questions, <laughs> superflex questions. <laughs> and it's like, man, this is your opportunity. Like, 
uh, you know, ask me, ask me like what food have I randomly never tried or something <laughs> like, like, so, <laughs> yeah. like um, yeah, I think one of the things um, that you and I do really well, John, is if we're to do a SWOT analysis, like I think you're awesome at the strengths and the weaknesses component. I think that that is really what you're great at and you've been great at for years what I've tried to bring to the table in these conversations is league dynamics, the externalities, the other managers and how they influence us and how we can influence them. And so even if we agree, I think our lenses are slightly different as well. Yeah, that's very true too. Yeah. And I mean, that's something that I've, that I've always wanted to be better at the, the, like you said, kind of the external facing part of this, the opportunities and the threats. Um, and it's just, for some reason, I just, I like, I, I, I just kind of get stubborn about it. I'm just <laughs> like, I'm not reacting to other people. Screw that. Forget what they're doing. I'm doing my thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. there are actually a lot of opportunities if you, if you actually, uh, um, stop and look at them and consider them. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it, holding the line is the right move too, though. Like there's, there's a lot of nuance to this, but I think we I think we had a really good conversation today. I feel like it's unresolved. I, I really want to keep talking to you for another hour or two, but I don't want to leave the super friends uh, with with a dead phone battery. So right. we'll we wrap this one up today and maybe continue the conversation moving forward. Yep, absolutely. And you know, this is this is the type of thing that we can talk about throughout the non-point scoring season, and we'll probably get more people. Uh, involved in the conversation and especially like I said start with an ask me anything episode um, you know so feel free to uh, to tweet at us post at us what do you say nowadays now that it's x at us just no don't x at us <laughs> <laughs> just throw just throw your x's at us <laughs> uh yeah you can you can at us uh on x you can uh you can dm us um we always uh we always keep it a secret if it's in dms and uh, uh if you're trying to hide from your league and uh shout you out if you're willing to say ask it publicly um we assume that that means it's uh you're you're okay with the world knowing that it's your question so <laughs> um so yeah send us those questions send us those thoughts and uh we'd be happy to uh to kind of augment this episode with some more of with some of your thoughts and some of your questions but yeah, let's wrap this one up for the week. As we do that, ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can also subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed and get access to all the great podcasts from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Once you've subscribed to the Super Show, if you do us a huge favor, rate and review the show. It helps us to uh, get out to more people, involve more people in the conversation makes it so much easier for us to drill down to the topics that are the most useful to you our super friends again get at us on, on x i almost called it twitter god it, that's it's just so annoying uh, but yeah we're still there uh he's at ff tommy b i'm at Superflex dude uh and like i said we'd love to get some some uh material from you your thoughts on uh and questions on rebuilding Superflex dynasty rosters this episode was dedicated in loving memory to James Brankatoulis. 
Thank you to DynastyLeagueFootball.com for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.